0: All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Off the Crossbar. I am the coach, Pete Eibner. I'm here with my main man, the co-coach, Adam the Ms. Mizell. We are here at a basement of a bank far away from the gunfire of West Baltimore, safe from the roaring crowds of people getting mugged at the Inner Harbor, free from the empty stadium of the Baltimore Orioles. And we are here to talk all things Baltimore soccer. Tell them what we got going on today, Miz. Coach, we're also safe from tornadoes. Tornadoes all over Baltimore County last week. Houses being taken to the lollipop guild. Trees everywhere. Trees everywhere. everywhere. Witches, Kansas, little people.
1: Lizard update. So I have not seen one since the tornado or alleged tornado.
0: That was your fix. But you didn't you didn't suggest that. I'm a little disappointed. I can't control the weather, Ms., but I will say this to you. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good, and oh, it's nice and smooth today. Oh, it's good. It's a good day. I had somebody do that to me. You did? Yeah, I saw somebody at the gas station. And said, hey, off the crossbar, a bald guy. So we got a whole thing. Now we have four in the club, four in the bald guy's so club. He was one of the seven guys
1: that has watched the show.
0: Perfect. It I works.
1: All right, awesome.
0: All right, so as always, this show is brought to you by Ideal Health Chiropractic, my main man, Dr. Adam Maddox. He does the best work on your spine. He starts with the feet, sees if there's any imbalance, works with your hips, straightens the spine. I'm telling you, Miz, I had, my back was so jacked up. It was like that movie where the guy fell off the thing and he hit the table and his back got all jacked Uh, up. Tombstone. Not tombstone, the other one. The other one. Van Wilder, where he jumps off the... the no, back. no, 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 the other one. He was wearing a mask, the guy with the mask. Oh, Deadpool 2. Cool. Deadpool 2, yes, 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 where he falls off and hits the table, and he's like, Kunk. that's the way my back was. And I found out that it was not because of anything that I was doing wrong. I had a muscle imbalance in my piriformis, which is like right above your butt. And, and Can you spell that? I cannot. Okay. I cannot. He did that, and he did something with my IT band and my legs, so all my back problems were caused by my legs, Dr. Adam Maddox straightened it out, fixed it, and before you knew it, I went in there, couldn't walk, came out of there, dancing like Rerun from what's happening back in the day. That's the way he brings it. So, starting us off, the Ideal Health Chiropractic Mystery Question of the Day. What say you, Miz? Got a good one for you. Um,
1: I've, I'm a not a huge game show guy, but... Jeopardy has had an ongoing James Hall's The he's been racking up money left and right. He finally lost.
0: What is awesome, by the way?
1: Right. I mean, it's just unbelievable the amount of money that and he, They had to take a break during the show because I think he was going to eventually take a bankrupt the run he was on. But uh, he came back and finally lost this week. So it's a little disappointing. Mystery question of the week: What
0: game show would Coach Pete Eibner be on? Well, first of all. I would love to be on Jeopardy. Okay. I, and I love Jeopardy. I truly do. I love Jeopardy because if you ever watch, like, when they have, like, the special shows, not just regular Jeopardy, but they have, like, Teen Jeopardy, every once in a while they'll have Celebrity Jeopardy, and every once in a while they have Senior Jeopardy. And you can tape Senior Jeopardy and edit out all the other parts except when the people are answering and they're saying stuff like, What is a spoon? Where is Mississippi? and it's hilarious because they look senile. But if you're asking me what show would I be on, I'm telling you right now, without question, Family Feud. Family Feud. Family Feud. I'm, I'm telling you, I could round up five of my family members that would either make a fortune of Family Feud or there would be a there would be like a brawl. So It'll you're be a, saying you're guaranteed to leave with a brand new car? Guaranteed to either beat somebody's tail in the game to get the car, or somebody in my family's beating somebody on their side to get the car. Gotcha. Family feud, and plus Steve Harvey, fellow bald. Great mustache. By the way, I think you'd
1: be a, a guaranteed winner if it were elementary Jeopardy, right? I you're, would. Kid, are you kidding your, me? Your odds go way up. Way up. Spell cheese, right? You're in. Yeah, okay. I got it. Okay. Good to go. Thank you. Great question, Ms. Thank you.
0: Appreciate it. All right. So now, this is what we got cooking today, Ms. I'm fired up. I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm really pumped up. You know, because when we're coaching the game or when you're playing the game, You have an official, and the official is there to make sure that the game is played within the rules and confines of of the rule book. You don't get to talk to referees too much. Today, we got a referee that we're going to bring. We'll put him on the hot seat, and we actually get to probe the mind of a referee. Tell him who we got, Miz. We have none other than Baltimore referee legend. Legend?
1: Through the high school ranks, club ranks, college ranks. He's done it all. He's been around for a very long time in the area. Um, if you've coached any any decent level of, of soccer, and he, and he even has done recreational too, so any coach that's been around for a while has seen his face, has heard his voice, and has probably been, been done wrong by a bad call, let's be honest. Um, but we have Gary Cartwright in studio today. I'm so excited. Love it. So, Love it. So the, the plan is, we've got to try to fit Landon Donovan in this week.
0: Da- absolutely. I felt so bad. Three weeks in a row we've had to cancel on him because we ran out of time, but this week Landon... In studio, excited to have
1: him. He's here, he's, he's ready to go, and uh, he's asked if we can just shorten the segment with Gary so that he can, he can be guaranteed to get in this
0: week. All right, well, let's hit it. Parents, kids, players, if you were looking for a camp this summer, look no further than Pete Caringy's All-Maryland Soccer Camp. It's where I started to coach. When I was 18 years old, I was playing college, and Pete Caringy asked me to work his camp. Best move I ever made. I learned how to coach, but not only that, I learned how to connect with kids, and I watched it from the master, Pete Karengi. Pete Karengi has developed more players out of the Baltimore area and coached more kids and brought the game to a higher level than anyone else I know. He puts his heart into it, knows the kids by name, has more energy than five other coaches put together, and I'm not kidding about that. So, check out... All Maryland soccer camps, Pete Karengi, websites right here. It's a blast. It is the most fun a young player can have. And if you have a very young player that's more talented than the group he's in, Pete recognizes that, moves him to a more challenging area. And the development of these kids is outstanding. I swear by it. I swear by it. Best camp in Baltimore. Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. Mm. I am your host, Pete Eibner. This is my co-host and co-coach, Adam the Mismizel. And right now, I'm fired up, pumped, because we get to bring in a man, 34 years officiating experience. He's done 10 state finals at the high school level. He's done the MIAA finals several times. He's done division one soccer with UMBC, played Boston College uh, or Boston University. He Was he official? A lot of high-profile games. He must know someone. Must know someone, and that someone is me, Okay. apparently. A man who needs no introduction anywhere in the civilized soccer world. He's known as the constable of the cards. Let's give it up, Gary Cartwright. (laughs) How are you doing, gentlemen? How are you? How are
1: you doing, fellas? Hey, Gary.
2: Good to see you. Thanks for joining us
1: today. Good to see you. We only have 744 questions for you. I got the answers. (laughs) All right,
2: I love
0: it. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Well, let's start off, Gary. How did you get into
2: officiating? Well, about 34 years ago, I was playing in an indoor game, and a fellow by the name of Ramon Maynor, who's been refereeing probably for 50 years. Uh, One of my favorites, by the way. Yeah, Argentine guy with a real heavy accent and... um, So I was playing the game, and I got hacked a couple times, and I asked him, was he going to blow the whistle? Right. And he just started laughing, and he said, nothing, nothing. So I turn around, and I kick the ball at him. (laughs) So he gives me a red card. Right. And I said, are you kidding me? So anyway, he goes, oh, you're such a good player. You want to be a referee. You come this Saturday with me, and I'm going to teach you how to be a referee. So I got my stuff. Didn't even have a whistle or a jersey. Right. He gets the whistle, the jersey, and we go down to the Columbia tournament, which was by invitation only. Right. uh, For all state champion teams. 34 years ago, that's how I became a referee. Wow.
0: Funny story about Ramon, by the way. I'm coaching. This is... Five, six, man, 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 gosh, maybe even more than that, maybe like more like seven years, eight years ago, I'm coaching a bunch of eight year olds in an indoor game at Maryland Sports Arena, or as Bobby McEvan would say, Maryland Sports, Sports Arena, Arena. <laughs> and and so we're playing and we're down by a goal and it's in it's in a tournament. It was like a Valentine's Day tournament or something, and time's running out and there's like three seconds left and one of our kids gets a ball, beats a defender, one on one, shoots and scores. Oh, your parents are going nuts. The kids are going crazy, right? Ramon turns to me and goes, no goal offside!" <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell are you talking about? And he goes, I got you. <laughs> so funny. Great guy. So, so you, you start there. What is the next step? In, in like, w- You go there. You go to the Columbia tournament. You start officiating. Where do you go from there?
2: So just like anything else you got to try to move up the ladder so you start off with doing some youth games probably under 8 under 10 and then you know you get to know people if you have the inside scoop like if you know somebody like famous Pete Eibner and right you know and Adam Mizell you get you know the name and they work you up and they say hey you know why don't you come and do you know high school I'm you know I'm the Perry Hall High School coach. You, you right, know, we'd love to see you out here doing some higher level games. So that's how you move up the ladder, you know, by knowing uh, you know good people like yourselves. Okay, but
1: back then, like the, the the game was was not as popular now, so there were less games. Is that fair to say? Like, yeah, correct. so it was kind of right. you know harder to maybe find games because there were maybe not as many referees, but there were so fewer games. Right. So you right. really had to to pound pavement and make calls and try to wiggle your way around to
2: get games, right? Exactly. Back then, um, you know, now we have probably uh, 500 to 1,000 referees in all the wow. groups. Back then, we might have had 50 referees. Wow. You know, so to, it, it wasn't as many refs that back then as there are now. Of course, there wasn't as many games, like you said. So, um, you know, the games... People would call you up and like, "Hey, we need referees Saturday. Right. We need referees Sunday," and it's a you know it's a commitment. I mean, you know, you got to commit yourself because once you commit to a game you, you got to be there or you know the teams aren't able to play you of know, course hey it's great soccer but without the referees there making bad calls you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a good game right we would <laughs> have nothing to talk about right
0: <laughs> so hey, so so back then was there an assigner or did the the coaches have to call you
2: so there was assigners for many different groups uh you know like uh, uh Harford county had an assigner um, Mason Dixon had an assigner, right. Which was, um, you know, Barney Benz, who's been a, a in sure. high school soccer for years. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, you'd get in that click, kind of just like everything else, and then you would get games. And you know, as you you know made yourself available, you got better games and moved on to you know bigger and better things.
1: How was it physically done? Because this is way before cell phones, way before email. So was it? Hey, they'll call your house. Like is that kind of how it was? Or... Yeah, they would
2: call you. They would call your house phone, and you know, if you answered the phone, you know, and hopefully you would answer the phone, you would probably get the game. If you didn't answer the phone, they'd move <laughs> on to the next guy. Really? You know, and then the next guy would, you know, right? The next guy stand up, like they say.
1: Right, okay. So there was no leaving the message on the, the tape recorder not voicemail? Too, not now? too
2: often because they wanted the signers want to get the games assigned as soon as possible. Like, for instance, now I'm getting assigned games that are going to happen in September and October already.
0: Yeah. I yeah. mean,
2: I've probably got, I don't know, like maybe four or five days um, available in September. You know, and that's how your schedule gets filled up. So. Yeah, so now it's, everything's ran through the arbiter, correct? Right, correct. There's an arbiter and a signer goes on and assigns you a game at whatever level it is. You either accept it or decline it. Right. You know, so, you know, if, if you get a game like Perry Hall against Hereford, you know, two great coaches, you know, you want to do that game, you know? So you, you accept that game. You know, you know you got Pete Eibner and Adam Mizell coaching the teams. You might want to hit the climb. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you might want to hit the climb, but you, you want to do them games, but you also want to make sure you got your yellow card in your pocket. You might. You yeah. know what I mean? Not that you're gonna need it. But <laughs>
0: but that brings that brings me to an interesting point. Like and, and honestly, when you are officiating a game. You obviously know people within the game. You know coaches, maybe you know players, maybe you know entire teams. How hard is it for you to emotionally detract from that part of it and just see
2: the game as it is two teams competing? Well, I mean, it's it's just like anything else. You know, um, I consider myself a professional. You know, I go out there, you know, no hard feelings. I look at it as, uh, you know... 22 individuals out there playing the game, and you, you call the game the way you see it. Right. A lot of coaches say, oh, man, he don't like me, or, you know, he has something against me, or he don't like, you know, like one of my kids. I've never went out there and officiated a game and held a grudge about something that happened, you know, in a previous game or whatever. Right. You know, I call the game the way you see it, and I don't think there's any official out there that goes preliminary into a game and saying... Man, I want to see this team lose today. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, we just don't operate that way. Okay. Do
0: you have? Do you, but are there guys that you know, and you don't have to mention them by name, or, or maybe you do, um, where you know, hey, I got this game today. This guy's just going to be all over me. I hate doing their games. I hate the way their team plays. I. Hate, does that happen? I mean, do you ever get in that?
2: Well, there's uh, certain co- coaches that I, I kind of refuse to do their games because I've done so many games and they're um, great coaches, but don't respect the game. For instance, um, you know, I don't really want to mention names, but I'm doing a high level game. It's a, you know, semifinal game in the MIAA and the coaches over there cussing at me in Italian, you know? So at the next stoppage of play, I go up to him and say, Capicia Italiano. And he looks at me like, oh, boy, I'm in trouble now. So guess what? He don't say anything the rest of the game. Right. You know? But he's you know... Using it's profanity, I never knew you could speak Italian. You know? I'm surprised. <laughs> look at that,
0: man. I, I mean, seriously, I up until this point I barely knew you spoke English, but look at you, uh, it, you're uh, Italian. I was, gonna, and I was gonna say, I thought English was a second language. Well, you know,
2: I, I, I speak fluently Spanish because that's the first language now, you know, right? right, so, right. I gotcha. you know.
1: Yeah. so, okay, so especially with, in our in in soccer, it's yeah. so diverse. I right. mean, in order to really understand what's going on, you really, I mean, to your credit. You should know many different languages, right?
0: Exactly. Right. So do you have, uh, with that, what is your level? Like this is, this is one that it's everybody's different, but I found like some referees you can talk to during the game. You can say, what did you see? And they'll explain. You can say, hey, that kid's doing this, or this player's doing that. Keep an eye on it, and they're fine. Other people, if you say word one that fuse burns out. How do you handle that kind of situation? Like what do you look for in communicating the rules and what happened in the events to coaches or players?
2: Well, you know, usually, you know, the coaches, I try to talk to the coaches and the players. Um, uh, when you've been around the game, you played the game, you coached the game, and you refereed as many games as I have, you kind of understand, you know that the coaches are out there trying to do what's best for their team. Right. You know, as long as they're respectful and say, hey, hey, Gary, you know, um, what did you see there? You know, did you really think that was a foul? You know, I'll have a conversation with them and, you know, say, hey, coach, you know, this is what i seen. Right. You know, or they'll be like, hey, coach, you know, you missed that one or whatever. I mean, we're all human. I mean, right. referees do miss calls sometimes. I mean. It, that's just the way it is. Well, it's I'm part of the perfect. game. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's part of the game. So you try to talk to the coaches and say, hey, 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 PD hey, Adam, I missed that one. I'll right, try to, sure. you know, I'll try to make sure we get the next one right. Right. You know, so, um, you know, it's just basically go out there, you, you try to call the game the way you see it, have respect for the game. Coaches respect the officials, the officials respect the coach. You know, and, and move on. Yeah. You know, if a coach is there, you know, screaming at you the whole entire game because of a bad throw-in that happened at midfield, I mean, we're like, come on, coach. Like, really? Like, the other 15 fouls that we call don't mean anything, but you're arguing about a throw-in at midfield. Right, right. I mean, come on. Argue about something that matters. Sure. You know? Call, you know how about the pK that we missed or the pK that we called right sure. you know but don't don't complain about a little foul at midfield that don't really mean anything
1: right man, I'm in full agreement but i'm I mean I am curious because going back to as you're coming up the ranks like what was the first if you can remember what was the first big game that you got as a young referee where you' the whistle's kind of sweaty, your palms are sweaty a little nervous you're like, man, I hope I do a good job in this game like what was the first big high-profile game you did oh
2: man this is a great story so anyway it was Calvert Hall against Gilman Mm. Um, what year back back around uh, 1990 Okay. okay. Okay, so that's probably JJ Kramer, yeah, J. J. Brian Bierden. Yeah, those guys and Anthony Adams. Bill Karpovich was the coach for Calvert Hall. And you got the middle and, in this game. Actually, back then we only used two of these. Two, two. Okay. right, right, yeah, right. So this is back in the day, you know. Right, sure. So anyway, I go to the game, it's my first high school game. Right. I get assigned Calvert Hall versus Gilman. That that now where's it being played? At Calvert Hall. Okay. At right. the hall.
0: Which is an intimidating place
2: to right. play so for for a high school team. So to be honest with you, I'm a little nervous. You know, it's the first, you know, kind of big game and Gilman was doing right. well that year. So it was a big game for both teams. So I get to the field and... You roll up in the pinto, and right? Yeah, and then, yep. I roll up in the pinto, right. you know, with the four-cylinder. I got you, you right. You know, and I go I to the game and my collar's a little out of place. And Karpovich comes up to me and he looks at me and he straightens my collar out. And then he says, they usually send good officials to my <laughs> game. <gang>. Oh! <laughs> and I'm like, really? like, oh. He's like... Oh. He's like Are you a rookie? I said, actually, this is my really first big high school game. He goes, do you know the rules? I said, rules? I said, are there rules? I said, I just came to referee the soccer game. I didn't know there were rules. And he's looking at me like, oh, my God. Like, really? They sent a rookie here to do this big game? So two minutes later, my partner comes walking across the field, and he goes, oh, my God. He's talking to his assistant coach. He goes, I can't believe they got him and a rookie. We're in trouble today. <laughs> so anyway, he comes over about you know two minutes later after they're warming up, and he goes, "No, I'm, I'm being serious." He's like, he says, like, "Do you know the rules?" I said, "To be honest with you, I said I really don't know the rules." I said, "But I know I beat you for the MSA championship in 1977," <laughs> <laughs> and he like had this look on his face because you know nobody talks to Bill Carter right. Right, so right, right. he's a legend. Right, he's right. got. 15, 20 championships. Right, right. And he looks at me and he starts reviewing all the plays. And this was like eight years ago. Yeah, Louis Tarabasi fell down. The ball hit him in the head. It goes in the goal, and you guys win. Luckily, <laughs> I was like, yeah, something like that happened, Coach. Anyway, have a good, have a good game. So I'm halfway through the game. And I make four or five calls, and he's all of a sudden he's on the sideline, pacing up and down, and he's like, "Good call, rookie. Good call, rookie." The whole game he's calling me rookie. rookie. Good call, rookie. So after the game, you know, they end up winning the game, he shakes my hand, he says, "You did a great job, rookie." <laughs> That's awesome. I, That's good stuff. That's a great story. And and for those of you who
0: don't know, Coach Karpovich if it could be one of the most intimidating figures in Baltimore soccer high school soccer when he was running Calvert Hall, number 1 program was unbelievably successful. His teams were unbelievably disciplined and fit. And he came out with the eye of the tiger. I mean, it, 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 it he came out and wanted to win. And um, just, just, I remember as a player wanting to beat him. And, and in my high school career, we never beat him. I went back specifically to coach at Curly to beat coach Karpovich. That's right. what I want to do. And It took two years. We finally did it, but it was... I don't know that I have ever been so intent on beating anyone in my life, and you almost couldn't do it. I mean, he would get the most out of those kids and also knew how to work the referees a little bit, whether that be to get in their ear a little bit Mm. or to... Call Rook, right? right, right.
2: Well, He tried to intimidate you. Yes, he would.
1: <laughs> now, as you transition into, you know, after that game, obviously you did a good job because then the phone starts ringing, right? Correct. Um, and you transition, and now you're you're starting to expand your horizons. You're picking up what college games now? College and games, yeah. Yeah. So you went from like the high school and the college game. When well, now was it kind of the similar where you show up for the college game, and now you're thinking, man, this is another step up. And as an official. You're trying to figure things out, or was it just s- well,
2: smooth sailing as usual? Well, you know, like the college level's a little different. It's a higher level game. You know, um, coaches don't really say much to you unless it's you know you seriously miss something. If if, if like you're doing a D one game and the coach says something to you, you know you know that you probably missed something, mm-hmm. or it was kind of a questionable call. They don't nitpick about a throw in at midfield or a little you know touch foul, right? You know, it's gotta be something serious. And if you know somebody say, for instance, you're doing a UMBC game and you got Coach Karenji over there and he says, Come on, ref, you know, like you missed that one. You, you pretty much know in your head you missed it. Yeah. You know, you gotta you you gotta be kind of you know honest with yourself. One thing I've always done, if a coach said something to me and I know you know I missed that call, you gotta kinda suck it up and say, Hey coach, you're right, I missed that. You know, yeah, a lot of referees what they'll do is They'll, they'll escalate that and like go over to the coach and they know deep down inside they missed the call. Right. But then they'll end up carding you because you're questioning their call. And by the you way,
0: that is, that is probably the most frustrating thing for me because I understand, look, half of what you do is going to not be in my favor. And it's not gonna, half of what you do is not going to make the other side happy. Right. Right. So, so you can't win. You don't make friends as a referee, but when you make mistakes, if a referee comes up to me and said, ah, I missed it or I didn't see it, that's the end of the conversation. But when it gets to the, you know, we joke around about it all the time, when it gets to, you question it and what's the best line? One more word and you're mm, in the parking lot, parking right? right? Why? It's always the it's parking always lot. It's always that. Like, where do they, do you guys have a class for that? Because every referee, one more word, you're in the parking lot.
1: <laughs> That's right. It's always the parking lot. I don't get always it. I always mean, the parking lot. Is uh, that, is there, so, so it's like a corporate response. Right. I mean, like, you're Can programmed we, to say that.
2: I, I think out of all the years I, I, I officiated, I think I might have sent, um, one, one coach to the parking lot. Really? One coach had all the games I've ever done. Send him to the parking lot. Wow. Because uh, he used some foul and abusive language and, um, you know, there was a lot of lot of children around. And, right. You know, yeah, and you're yeah. supposed to, as a coach, you're supposed to be not only coaching a game, but send an example to the youth. Right. To sure. the high school kids. their high school kids. Trying to get an experience and getting them ready for the next life. Sure. You know, the next step in life. You sure. Know, not just the soccer game. Sure. now know, as Which a, a lot of people forget yeah. about.
1: And as, like, because I've been a parent too, also a coach and a parent, but have you, when did you start to to kind of notice that from, you know, over evolution, if you will, like when you first started officiating until now, like where did you feel like, Parents became vocal, or has it always been that way, or was there like a time frame where you're you're officiating a game one day and you're thinking, what is this guy on the on the hill doing? What does he keep yelling at me for? And then it's kind of snow snowballed from there. I mean, what take us back?
2: Well, I would say probably thirty years ago, um, with coaches usually had somebody. You know, that played the game a little bit and then they, you know, decide they want to coach their kid or you know, coach a group of kids that are in their area or whatever. Really maybe didn't have any coaching experience or, you know, uh, took any coaches classes like they have now. You know, you got coaches license and, Mm -hmm. you know, different grades for license. Back then you didn't have that. It was just a guy picked up, you know, a soccer ball, maybe read the rule book, half of the book anyway. Right. You know, and then coached the kids. So, you know, you now you got experienced guys like yourselves, you know, you got coaching license and you do training and you know, so you guys been around the game, you know the game, and you know, um, it's it's just so much better with the coaches that have the experience. Yeah. You know, now you have coaches that, you know, <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah kinda know what they're doing. They know the game, they've been around the game. Yeah. You know, but some of the parents, most of the parents that are complaining about the calls and and, um, you know, questioning the referee's calls. I hate to say it, but it's usually the guys that are never played soccer before. Yeah. You know, and, you know, not t- kind of degrading anybody, but the 250 pound guys that probably are eating Twinkies on the sideline, you know, questioning the referee's calls, you know, knowing he's never played a game of soccer in his life. Right, right, right. You know, so. And some women too. Yeah, heard, yeah. women too. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've done games where women come chasing me with umbrellas because <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad call that I right. made, you know, I was up at uh, Drexel University one day and uh, the lady comes and like starts chasing us off the field with an umbrella, you know, uh, so, the, so the security people had to come and, you know, assist us back to the locker room. <laughs> well, it,
0: when we found out you were coming on the show, we put out an email <clears throat> to, to our mailing list and we got some, uh, got some responses, and what we ask for is any questions that you want to ask a referee. So can, can we do that segment now? Are we cool with that? Absolutely. Okay. Sure. Cool. All right. So question number one, uh, the, the names are on here, the email names are on here, so, but, but I'm going to just, in order to be, it will just say this is from Janet. Um, when you guys get your, uh, your referee manuals, are they also written in Braille?
2: Um, I don't recall.
0: Okay. Not it's a, written in Braille. That's a good right. answer. Nope. <laughs> Safe play. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one is, is from Kevin, and uh, this one is from Kevin, and he writes, when you go from a high school game to a college game, is it harder because the pace is faster?
2: Um, actually, it's easier to do a higher level college game. Because a foul is usually a foul. I mean, it's pretty obvious. In a high school game, you have a lot of kids that, you know, are just out there for activity and, until you get to the higher level. And there's a lot of, you know, clumsiness and a lot of fouls that you kind of, you know, got to question yourself. Do I call that? Do I not call that? Right. You know, the college game, it's you know, it's a foul. You know, it's yeah. no, no questions.
0: But the pace of the play doesn't make it more difficult for you because I'll tell you, coaching, when I coached at the Division I level, Stuff happened so fast, when I went back and started coaching club, it was like watching soccer underwater. It was, everything was slow yeah. and readable, and and right. do, it, do you find that different from a
2: referee standpoint? It, it, it's pretty much the same. Like, college level's a lot faster, and but at a college level, if you've been around a game, you kind of anticipate, and you know or supposed to know where the ball is going to be five seconds from now. Right. You know, so you kind of position yourself to that. Where in the high school, the ball could go anywhere.
0: Right, right, right.
2: Like sometimes, you know, it could go here, you know, the missed kick could go there. At a college level, you pretty much know where the ball is going to be. Okay. Uh,
0: Jim from Baltimore asks, Do you leave the window cracked
2: for your seeing eye dog when you ref? Yeah, I do. I leave the window <laughs> cracked. Since I have um, some contacts, you, <laughs> you know, know I always <laughs> make sure I have both of my contacts in when I'm running. And, and I never bring my regular glasses. <laughs> I'm very curious, though. We,
1: we were kind of talking about this when we knew you were going on. We were saying, like, there had to be one time over the span of your career where you're in a heated game, it's chippy, the coaches you know, are on, on, on edge, you know, the players are on edge, the game has high stakes, and you're very serious, you're dialed in, focused up on what you're doing, and someone from you know, the, the stands or bleachers or whatever yells out a heckle at you, and you just got to chuckle. There has to be one. Yeah, what is the best heckle you've ever gotten? The best heckle? Um, where you just couldn't help yourself and you if you, you're thinking, man, if I break my, you know, if I show any signs of humor, these coaches are going to be on me, but you couldn't help it.
2: All right, so I'm doing a game, it, it, I, I think it's um it was probably a homecoming game, Calvert Hall and Curly. Right. Okay? And at Curly at Calvert Hall. I was Hall? at Calvert Hall. Okay. How long so, ago? Uh, it was probably about 10 years ago. All right. So, so my son my, my son attended Calvert Hall and um So the Calvert Hall fans are hollering every time I made a call against uh, Curley, they they would say, how can you ref this game? You went to Calvert Hall. And then the Calvert Hall guys start hollering, how can you ref this game? You went to Curley. (laughs) Like there's a conflict of interest. So after about four or five times, I, I turn around and I holler to the whole fan. I said, you guys got it all wrong. I said, I went to Patterson. I said, and in 77, we both beat Calvert Hall and Curley. And then they all started clapping.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great stuff. That's great. Hey, we got one more. Um, we got one more. And this comes from Kelly from Baltimore. Um, who, are the, who are the referees in the area that you think are most fit to do MLS games?
2: The ones that are currently doing games, or uh, ones uh, uh, the moving up the ladder for? Well, let's to, let's to just talk otherwise. about Baltimore referees. Let's change the question a little bit.
0: Uh, with all due respect to the email, who are the who are the referees? Because I, I know who, like Joe Manfrey, great referee,
2: great referee. Uh,
0: but who are got uh, Paul Tamburino, Tamburino another man. one, right? Who who are the referees? And it could be those two. It could be more. Who are the referees? You think? Are are some of the best in the area, whether retired now or or coming up through the ranks now. Who are the referees that you look to and say, "Wow, that guy's good at what he does."
2: Right. So, uh, of course, Joe manfrey has been around for years. He's probably the grandfather of refereeing. Right. Great. He's done I don't know how many NCAA championships, and um, so probably if I had to list them from like say one to five, he would be number one. Paul right. Tamburino, who's a, was a local guy, yeah. he's now the assigner for eleven different um, college, you know, associations. He he would he would he would probably be number two. He was my coach um, when I was
0: fourteen years old. Paul wow. Tamburino, great! Mu- another great mustache. And just
2: about that time, he got out of coaching and began <laughs> yeah. refereeing. He got old and
0: he said, "That's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm getting into the refing business."
2: You know, so, I mean, those guys have been, been around the game for, you know, um, for years. And um, there was a guy, uh, his name was Dennis Woodward. Oh, oh my gosh. Oates. 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 His nickname o- yeah. was Oates. Probably, in my opinion, one of the best officials in Maryland. I Ever ref the game. Um, unfortunately, you know, he had passed and um, uh, uh, he's missed, you know, Dearly.
0: Dearly I uh, not only was he one of the best referees but he, I don't think I mean he was unflappable whatever happened in the game he was old, he just enjoyed it and he uh, just after the game before the game during the game never stepped out of character just a great guy on the field and off the field, what was a, a hell of a
2: player as well. Yeah, great, great official, and, great official.
0: And that's that is one I mean, man. I know we
2: we you know through the years we've kind of forgotten about him, but um, you know he, he like I said he would be in the top three. Yeah. That um,
0: one of my favorite people involved with soccer yeah, in, the, yeah. in the soccer community. Great, great, great guy. soccer family, great too. Guy, yeah. Great
2: guy. So so we so got I, three. I
0: have I have
1: um, so are you happy with that list? I think that's the top three. Okay. Top three. So I I have have two things that I gotta ask, right, while we have you in here. Number one, um, why is compression, short color, and tape color more important than offsides? Why is that? I gotta (laughs) know.
2: Because you have these bunch of guys that (laughs) sit around in an office, right, working for the rules committee, right, who's probably never played a game of soccer in their life who's never coached a game of soccer in right. their life, never refereed a game of soccer in their life, right. that are coming up with these rules. It's, it's ridiculous. Look, I can see.
0: Like, I can totally agree with you. I will side with the referee on this issue 100 times out of 100 if teams have the same color socks where that might be difficult. That might be a problem. But if you have a guy wearing blue shorts with white compression shorts, and they happen to be playing a team with white shorts.
2: Oh, my gosh. If you can't
0: do, that, that's the issue?
2: Well, if it's the referee's problem, of course, we go back to um, he might need some contacts. Right. <laughs> Get his dog out of the yeah. car.
0: But I'm not
1: kidding. I've found that I've had many of officials over the years where, you know, they – the offside calls were very dicey, and whether it was for or against my team, it didn't right. matter, but, the, you know, they were all over the, the compression shorts right, and the right. tape socks. right. Or, right.
0: you know, the one that kills me, Gary, is why is it a federal offense if a player wearing blue socks – now, I think it's stupid that they do – I'm going to go on the record, dumbest thing kids do today with their uniforms – when they cut the, the bottom, bottom of their socks, socks and they have blue socks with white white socks underneath. Underneath, it. right? Why is that a federal
2: offense? I don't. First of all, I don't know why they do that. I have no um, idea. I have no idea. They got a perfectly good, uh, probably twenty five dollar pair of socks. But <laughs> you know, but to be and fair, then,
1: that's like when we were younger. It's it was a style. cool. It's yeah, a style. It was cool
2: to pull the socks
1: halfway yeah. up, and then you had the shingle. Right. That's the true. Other, so yeah, yeah. You know.
2: But yeah. I really don't know. Like, you know, uh, sometimes you even get the coaches that are complaining. Like right. you know, Adam's coaching your team and he's like, Hey Garrett, come here. Pete's guy's got uh ten guys with with white socks and he's got two guys that got blue socks on. Right. Those guys can't play by technically by the rules. You know, it's a rules that we have to enforce, enforce right. by, you know, the national soccer federation. And, and I haven't had that much problem this year with club, but high school,
0: that seems to be It's paramount. the biggest issue. Unbelievable. Right. Like, is that coming, that's coming
2: from above It's coming your from the above the rules committee. Right. Like, I'll give you a good example. I was doing a state final two years ago, and the score was 5 to nothing, And the goalie came into the game, probably never played a minute in all the games that he played all year. Right. So, they wanted to get the kid, kid in the Kid on game. the field so to just have the experience. Five to nothing. Right. So the kid goes in the game. We allow him to come in, enter the field to play, and he finishes the game. And after the game, um, the state interpreter comes up to me and he goes, You guys really screwed that game up. And I was like, Really? I was like, A Certain call? Or I said, The score was five to nothing. Everybody's happy. Nobody complained the whole game. He said, you allowed that goalkeeper to go in the goal without a number on the front of his shirt. And I looked at him, and I was like, are you serious right now? He <laughs> goes, I'm dead serious. That is the National Federation rule, and you guys did not abide by it. And we had probably 40 years of experience between you three officials. And I said to him, I said, if it was such a big deal and you're the state interpreter, I said, why didn't you mention something to the fourth official before the kid entered the game? Right. But he didn't have not one complaint about an all-sides, a handball, a penalty shot. He's worried about a kid in a high school level that probably never got in a state championship game, the experience of his life, and because he didn't have a number on his shirt. And I'll tell you, that drives me it's crazy. unbelievable. Because
0: what it does, it makes the rules... More important than the spirit of the game. Exactly. And and it's. I'm glad to hear that that's not something that, you know, referees are vigilant about. It's kind of forced down their throat a little bit. But that makes me insane. It just it does. absolutely drives me crazy. I have one more final
1: just question. One. Just and one. And I want you to explain to all the viewers, the parents, coaches, what is a handball?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
1: Hold on. Everything's a handball, is it? Okay. So, Everything. so when you're at a, a guy with your experience and the amount of game film that's ingrained in your brain that you've watched play, what is to you a handball?
2: Okay. So this is what drives me crazy as a referee. Ten years ago, they say if you intentionally—before they used the word intentionally—right. If you intentionally hand handled the ball. That would be a yellow card. It would be a caution because it was an intent. Right. So now they put in the rules the word deliberate. So in order it by the law of the game for it to be a handball, it's supposed to be deliberately played by the hand or arm. So I'm saying if you deliberately handle the ball, it should be a caution. So by the rules, every handball, if it's deliberate, should be cautioned. And it drives us crazy as referees because now they're saying if it just hits your arm in a natural running position, even if you gain an advantage, it's not a handball. If you don't intentionally. Edit. But that, that call <clears throat> me...
1: made in. Every game that I'm at, that I am either watching, coaching, so let's go back to the the Champions League final. Is that a handball? Exactly. exactly. To you, if you're calling that game, is that a handball?
2: By the laws of the game, that's a handball. Because his hand was in an unnatural position, is what they said. But isn't that
0: up to interpretation? Because if I'm jumping to block a ball, my arms are going to go out. Why? because I naturally have a propensity to want to balance my landing. No one is going to jump exactly. and go like this, because you will be off balance. So a natural position when you are jumping is to have your arms out.
1: Well, what if I'm a kid who just by nature, my mechanics, I run like a T-Rex and my right. hands are out right. and the ball,
0: co- I mean, right. but that to me, that's not deliberate or intentional. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 so by the way, I agree that it was a penalty kick. Just for I the agree. Reason, as well. right. But it. There's only one goalkeeper allowed per team. They have they have refined and changed a very simple rule. You can't touch the ball from the shoulder down. That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. It that solves all the it issues. Solves all the issues. But right.
1: here's the the fly in that ointment. If I'm a kid. You know, who's defending a player who's at the top of the box and he's getting ready to take a shot or a kid out wide who's getting ready to serve a ball in. And I'm standing here literally, and nowadays you see you know, real disciplined defenders, they'll put, they put their, their hands, hands behind them. the back. But some right. kids just can't do it or they get there a second too late and the kids literally, the player's four feet away and hits a bomb and it hits off their arm now that's you know that's up to interpretation whether or not it's a handball, uh, look. and in one game it is, and then you turn around and the next game it's not.
0: He will remember this. I'm sure you will remember this. The year was 2014. The date was September 24th. We're playing at Catonsville. Don't shortchange changes. What time was kickoff? Kickoff was, was at 7 o'clock. 7 okay. o'clock. Well, right. There you go. Right? 7 o'clock. <laughs> we didn't start till 7.02, by the way. Right. Was I, seven, got I was furious because he had to check socks. Yeah. Right, right. No, right. but that happened in a game. One minute left in overtime, a kid from our team drove a ball across the box. A defender lunged out. The ball hit him in the hand, and there was no call. And you remember this because I, I I went nuts. I went. It was. It might be the only time I've ever yelled at you. <laughs> but I went bananas. Oh, I can think of two other times. No, <laughs> two. but but no. But so by what he described as the definition, maybe that's not a handball, right?
1: Well, if, if his if, hands up, it would be unnatural, right? Or
0: uh, not if he's jumping. Not if he's jumping. Right. So it's you know. So it's. So the kid was jumping in the air. He was he was lunging to block the ball, and it got cut back and hit him. And wasn't like he swatted it, but you know, if he would have held it for another half second, he might have traveled. And yeah. and like for us coaches, like it's it, it it boils down
1: to this: like we, especially at the high school level, college level, beyond, but even at the club level, like there's so much time that goes into training and and lessons for your kids, and all these things that you're doing with the team, whether it's tactical, technical, and you're trying to develop the, the players to, to reach their maximum potential. And when you're in games and you're trying to achieve goals as a collective unit and something boils down, you know, a game could come down to whether or not you see it as a handball or Jimmy Smith, the other referee, sees it as a handball, and there's a difference there.
2: Right? There's one little quote in the rule book that kind of confuses everybody. What's that? And it could be worldwide. In the opinion of the referee. Right. And you know how many referees we got, and you know how many opinions we have. That's correct. So every game is different, and it's based on that quote in the rule book. In the opinion of the referee. Now, in high school soccer, they just put in it last year <coughs> that if a... If uh, a female in a, in a girls game, if the ball is coming and shot towards her, her head because of the concussion protocols that are going out now, they're able to put their hands up and block the ball from hitting them in the head. Mm. So at our at our state interpretation meeting, I, I brought up the scenario and I was like, this is a joke, right? Or it's a misprint in the rule book. Right. I was like, since when are you going to be able to put your hands up to block your head? You either got to head it or you got to let the ball go. But they put that in the rule book. But it's only for women's soccer? It's for high school soccer that you can, because of. So wait a minute. So
0: in high school soccer, I can have my center back jump
2: up in the air and go like this. If it's coming towards their head and they're protecting their head in the rule book. It says so that now, they can protect their heads. So, but so then th- again, there you go by the opinion of the referee. Right, but, but watch
0: how that changes the game. You and I are jumping up for a head ball, and that ball is coming to me, but you may jump higher... I can gain an extra couple inches by doing that.
1: Exactly. Well, not only that, but if someone hits a shot and you can jump in the line, the trajectory of the ball, and with your head and arms here, block it and say, I was going to jump and I was going to head it, but right. I'm protecting so myself. The
0: people that are writing the rule book are fundamentally changing, changing, the game, changing the game. And then who catches the brunt of that storm when something like that happens? The in referees. The, game? the referees. <laughs> And so that that might be the next conversation we got to have. Where's one of these anonymous spaces? How can we get one of them here and say, what are you doing?
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, I'm interested in your opinion because, you know, you've been a referee, very veteran uh, career that you've had. What is your opinion, and where do you think we're going with this whole replay system?
2: I think it's good for um, only determining if it's a goal or not. I think they're taking away the um, – Spirit of the game and, you know, uh, decisions being made on the field. If you're right. going to replay, you know, every, every time you think it's a foul or... Because most of the time, unlike basketball or football, if you hit a guy, you know, basically in basketball, you smack him in the hand, that's a foul. Right. In soccer, you can make contact, but it might not necessarily be a foul. You know, Or if the guy keeps in, you know, gains an advantage and continues to play on. So you're taking a lot of the judgment calls out of soccer by having all this replay. replay.
1: But, you, but you do find it like the goal line stuff, I the technology I think for the goal there, line,
2: it's definitely, definitely a plus. Yeah, I would agree. I because would agree you don't that. want to lose a game by scoring a goal and then they call it not being a goal because the entire ball, whole ball, is not over the whole well, line.
0: Look at your position as a referee. You are at midfield, or, or relatively midfield. Sure. Your AR is on the outside by the last defender. What if the shot's from 30 yards out, hits the crossbar? There's none of you
2: Thank that you have a good it. angle to You're see. So I agree
0: with you, because that's the way I look at it. it. It's another set of eyes. I don't need the referee to constantly be undermined or second-guessed, because that debate... It, then, then you're taking the debate, was it a foul, wasn't a foul, putting it upstairs to two people who don't have a face, and, and they're going to debate whether it was a foul, wasn't a foul, and then tell you what to
2: do. I, I think that, right. that, that undermines what you do. Right. Well, it was like in a premier game a few weeks back. They, they um, had a play. It was in the box, and they thought it was a foul, and the referee didn't call it. They went and played five more minutes of the game, and then at the next stoppage, they went upstairs and reviewed it, and then they determined back it was a PK. foul, and yeah. ended up giving them a PK five minutes later. That, see that to me—that's that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that's not the way. That's not the spirit of the game. Oh look, and I, I we I rib you a little bit. Um, you know, referees get ribbed a little bit, um, but at the end of the day, you're there to enforce the rules of the game to the best of your ability and you're going to get most of them right you're going to get some of them wrong i'm going to like some of the calls cuz they're going to ban- the ball's going to bounce my way and i'm not going to like some of them
2: and exactly. I, but that's your job and like us referees always say that hey 50% of the people love us and 50%, 50% of hate them you. hate us yeah so i got one more for you before you go right. well, you just, said that I'm, 3 questions right, ago right, Adam. right. so just one more <laughs> and then there's 16
1: other ones but This is, and I'm always curious about this. And I know, like, now in the county, we're able to, if we have the budget for it, we can pay extra. But is it possible to really do the job right in a two man system?
2: I hate the two man system. I mean, there's so much space in between two guys that are 70 yards apart. Right. And trying to determine, um, fouls and you know things that happen centrally in the field right sometimes you know a guy scoots in front of you you're trying to look across through sometimes 20 guys right on a corner kick and sometimes you just can't see it yeah you know because you're 40 yards away and it's happening boom 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 yeah and it's happening quick i mean the three-man system is the way to go for the schools that have the money i would suggest going with the three-man system you have three eyes out there instead of two. You got a guy that's probably 10 to 15 yards on top of the play if he's doing his job. I hope you have six eyes. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, when I put my contacts. contacts in, and then the glasses over the four, top. Yeah, so. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, I've done many of Pete's games, probably the year you won the state championship. Congratulations. Thank I think you. I've told you that once before. Yes, but you have. Anyway, I think I did the semifinal game where. Um, there was kind of a major call that I made, you know, and you kind of, you know, got the call probably maybe because I know you a little bit, you know, but I don't remember the no, call. You don't remember it, I don't remember the I, call because it went my way, way, but
0: I can tell you every call that you've ever made. the to one All that I the going on, right? <laughs> And that's the game though, right? That's the game. But see,
2: that's why I'm here today because um, some referees can't let things go. Yeah. Like, you know, we've had games. I've refereed a lot of Adams games, your games. And there's been some calls you guys don't agree with. But at the end of the day, hey, you can you can holler at me, cuss at me in Italian. I'll still talk to you at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I would but tell you exactly how many calls you got. I don't have my adding machine. We don't know. have it. <laughs> but, but leave us. Leave that some, was
2: when that was when you were at Kenwood. I that's believe. right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Leave some advice for young guys. That because now a lot of our former players is, are getting yeah. into the refereeing. Leave right. some advice for the young guys that are starting to come in.
2: Okay, so the young guys, I would suggest kind of. Listening to your what they have now as mentors, who usually we try to put younger officials with some experienced guys so they can get some experience, you know, doing the games. And when you start moving up to higher levels, you got to remember that it's not about you as an official, Mm -hmm. it's not your game, it's the kids' games. That's great advice. Um, you're not the show out there to show yellow cards, red cards. Let the kids determine the game on the field. Yeah, you know, don't try to get wrapped up and be some, you know. I want to be the big time official that you know red carded this guy and red carded that guy. Let them, de- you know, determine the winner on the field. That's great advice. Absolutely great advice.
0: Uh, do you want to stick around for the next segment because we have to get the Patrick Swayze Player of the Week? Okay, that sounds great. We'll be right back. <laughs> Off the crossbar. Hey everybody, this is the coach Pete Ivner to talk about my company Fast Forward Training Systems. We develop kids with the ball, make them better soccer players, increase their technical skill, increase their speed of play, and yes we also do strength, speed, and agility. We've been in business since 1991. We've gotten over 500 kids to the Division 1 level in college. We have trained the best in the area. Would love to train you. So let's get out. Let's kick the ball around. Visit the website, www.fastforwardtrainingsystems.com. Welcome back to Off the Crossbar. We are now at our favorite part of the show. So what we do, Gary, every week, we look, we scour high. We look low. We leave no stone unturned, no game unwatched. And we find one player who gets the great honor of being the ideal health chiropractic Patrick Swayze Player of the Week. Patrick Swayze. What's he known for? Miz? The the best hair ever.
1: I mean, it's just unbelievable. What's your favorite Patrick Swayze movie, Mmm. Like Point Break or Youngblood or Roadhouse? Roadhouse. Roadhouse? Yeah,
2: Roadhouse.
1: He (laughs) was Dalton. (laughs) Dalton.
0: Yeah, there are two great mullets in that movie, by the way. <laughs> no doubt, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott is up there. Yep. Okay. But uh, yeah, so, so Roadhouse, of course, you be nice until it's time not to be nice. Not right. to be nice. Right. 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 So here we go. <clears throat> the Patrick Swayze. Look at that mullet. That is a gorgeous mullet right there. I tell you what, you favorites. should grow. You should grow a mullet. If I could, I would. I mean, you never had a mullet.
2: Never had a mullet.
0: Mm. Come on, man. Could you imagine how? Never much-
2: had one. You, you know how cool that down would the look. Field, I could be in the, the first referee with a mullet. I was going to say.
1: You know how cool that would look to give a coach a red card with a mullet. Yeah. I mean, and maybe pull the like, card out of the hair. Yeah, pull, awesome. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> pull the red card out of the
2: back of your hair.
1: Get the comb out of one side, brush yeah. it back, and then the you know, yeah. Like, yeah.
2: Got to do it. Not only caution them with the yellow from this side. You can pull the red out of the, the mullet I on the like longer it.
0: side. It's fantastic. I like it. we got to get this done. Mullets for everybody. So, Miz, player of the week this week, who gets the honorary mullet? It's Jack Andrews, locally
1: developed product, um, now plays the Philadelphia Union, finished the year as their leading scorer and had a great game the other day about uh, against PA Classics.
0: Unbelievable kid. Um he finished 23 games in the in the U.S. Development Academy League, 23 games, finishes the season, 23 goals, 21 assists, had a, a goal and an assist against PA the Classics. classics
2: yep. Have you seen this kid play? Yes, I have. Excellent player. Referee many of his games, especially at the fabulous Maryland Sports Arena. Maryland Sports Arena. It's got a great atmosphere. <laughs>
1: Well, and the other thing is his family
0: pedigree, all the Andrews's have been around soccer. So. Yeah. You know, I had the pleasure of coaching Jack when he was really little all the way up to last year. Last year, he was on the team that won the state championship and won the regional championship. Jack was the catalyst. He was our leading scorer. He got the golden boot at the regionals. Um, just a phenomenal player, phenomenally talented, great work ethic, and and just and the kind of kid that goes home from school, works in the yard uh, with a ball, hours till till you know his dad has to almost rein him in, and uh, and then so, he works in the yard mowing grass and, and doing
2: also the most important thing, a great kid. He is a great kid. I mean, great exceptional soccer player, but never questions the call. Just continues to play the game.
0: They're your favorite, by the <laughs> way, guys. So don't player. question calls. <laughs> Guys and coaches that don't question calls. I like that. <laughs> so, but he's up at the Philadelphia Union now. He was the leading scorer of their entire Union Academy. Um, by the way, the second leading scorer for the Union's entire academy is also a Baltimore product named Dominic Duban. Mm. Um, he uh, played at browsey Also played at FC USA. Most recently for Celtic. Went up there, and so so Baltimore is really making a push up north and and making a lot of splash, but. It's not Baltimore time. It's, it's time. It's mullet time. It's mullet time. So, without further ado, let's put the mullet on Big Jack. Congratulations, kid. Mm. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. I say you grow it and you keep it. It's a good-looking mullet, kid.
1: That's it for us here at Off the Crossbar. Um, do we have time for Landon?
0: Oh, my gosh, we have run out of time. Landon Donovan, I am so sorry. We will get to you next week. Signing off for Off the Crossbar, I'd like to thank our guest, official extraordinaire, Gary Cartwright. I am the coach, Pete
2: Eibner. This is the co-coach, my main man, Adam the Miz Mizell. We'll see you next week.